Steve Ruark, thank you very much for hey coming there, in. Jake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Had some awesome guests. Uh, appreciate being in the company of those folks. Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen you a lot around campus, and you used to take the photos for the lacrosse team a yeah. couple years ago, and that's when I first kind of interacted <laughs> with you. So I've been meaning to have a you know, sit-down conversation yeah, with awesome. you. It's just it's been so busy. It has been. I'm finally catching a little groove here. I hope you are, too. Yeah, a little bit. This weekend will be nice, the nice yeah. Martin Luther King weekend. Absolutely. We'll take an extra day. Yeah, for sure. What uh, What's going on in the photography classes here at, at Gilman? What are you guys working on? So, you know, I'm um, I'm teaching two sections of all freshmen, and so it's, it's pretty cool, kind of clean slates. Um, and uh, we started out at the beginning of the year in the dark room and, and doing pinhole cameras and things, but uh, now the guys have DSLR modern cameras in their hands. And um, actually, I just posted on a... Uh, on one of the uh, display cases there, their first work that they did and, uh, you know, with their real cameras. And now we're just kind of stacking skills and getting uh, a little more depth with, you know, modern cameras. And it's been pretty awesome to see what the guys are making. And it's like unbelievable that they just started this. So it's, it's real fun. So every yeah. freshman gets their own camera. Um, so, you know, we have, it's about 19 guys in the class and uh, yeah, we have um, cameras for every one of them. A few guys have their own cameras or their families have cameras that they're using, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Now, you know, I was a student here at Gilman and took photography. It was a little different. You could go buy a uh, manual Pentax with the lens for, I got. I remember I got mine for 40 bucks nowadays. You know, there are these digital uh, computers more than cameras. And yeah. um, so it's, it's pretty awesome to be at Gilman, a place that can do that and, uh, you know, get cameras in every one of these guys' hands. They don't have to trade them off and theirs for the year. So when you start out, what do you have to teach them in order for you to trust them with it as such an expensive and nice camera? Yeah, well, you know, um, we kind of give them to them before they know how to use them, but uh, photography is pretty interesting in that it's a technical art. So you have this machine kind of between uh, your mind and what you create, and, and you kind of have to learn how to use that machine and do you know use your shutter speed and apertures and, and you know it, it's probably a little intimidating when you first start hearing those words and figure out what it is or it's not as difficult as I think a lot uh, of it's know. trial and error probably it is you know we have a uh, an exercise that we have them do that's um, it's probably I almost feel like it's going to become an infamous thing where you know they've got to go out and demonstrate that they uh, understand the technical side before we get them doing the creative stuff that is a lot more fun mm-hmm. um, and, but yeah, they, they all do a couple redos and going back out and doing it again. But yeah, some trial and error. And yeah. I go out with them and, and show them. And, and then uh, we kind of move past that and start, uh, you know, really being creative and, and making things. Do you guys usually kind of walk the campus and find different things to shoot? So, you know, I um, we've had a couple of times where we do that um, earlier in the year when the power went out in the vicinity. Um we were still in the dark room. And I was like, well, we still need safe lights to work in the dark room. It can't be completely dark. So that was kind of our first foray. And they had not yet learned to use their cameras, but they all have cell phones. And uh, it was our first time to kind of see what what they could see with them. And we uh, walked down to Stony Run and, and just kind of took a hike. And I gave them kind of a little mini assignment. And um, it was really cool just to see what they could do and, and you know without kind of the technical side of things yet and that's nice it, to it's, fun, yeah. it's nice to have a class where you can you have a reason to go outside my english class i'm always looking yeah. for reasons to get them outside walking around just moving because yeah. i feel like sitting in a classroom every single day for three periods for 80 minutes or you know it kind of gets uh, tiresome and you want to move your like, I come up with my best, most creative ideas, I think, when I'm walking, when I'm moving my body. And uh, I'm always looking for reasons to take my classes outside, whether it's a nice day or, you know, some kind of conversation we're doing in class. But it's nice in your class. It feels like you always have a reason to, to go outside and and explore. Yeah, you know, it's kind of gotten tough now that it's cold. We're, I think, a, lot, a little more reluctant to go out there. That's true. Um, I yep. do try to push the boys to shoot outside of school as well. You know, it's cool to see 
what they can create here because it's kind of everyone has the same thing here but how do they see it differently what's important to them kind of their world um but uh, for instance our last assignment they had to turn in 10 photos and i required that five of them were made outside so that they could also explore you know their world outside of gilman and then share that with us um so you know it's it's kind of funny um something that i've recognized over the years is that uh so many jobs, uh, careers have now kind of boiled down to the computer. You know, I got into photography because it was cool to be out shooting, but it was also cool to be in the dark room. But now it all kind of boils down to being in front of a computer, just like many other things. And I even noticed that as a photographer photographing other th people and what they do, you know, I have to kind of get them away from the computer. Everything comes back to that. And uh, it's a great tool. And we have an awesome pub lab that they work in. And, and a lot of our class is go out and shoot and then bring it into class and we edit it and uh, discuss it and I'm there to help them with the technical side as well as just the uh, artistic side uh, but yeah we do try to get them out there and um, you know sometimes it's a kind of part of the class will just kind of the last half perhaps right. go out there and shoot but yeah it's, it's fun to have that opportunity. Do you when you bring your photos in do you usually use Photoshop to kind of change things So we're around? using Lightroom right now Lightroom. which is part of that family it's from Adobe and very similar um, it's a little simpler I think for the guys and I've even found in my own work I use it more often um, I might even kind of like the results better unless you're doing some major manipulation um, which we don't have them doing yet. It's kind of learning the basics before. Uh, you know, I tell them they got to learn how to drive before they can get in a race car. You know, mm -hmm. so, uh, um, and, and then we have an advanced course that Sarah Sachs is teaching, and, and they get a little more into that. And my background as a photojournalist, um, I don't do a lot of that kind of manipulation in Photoshop. I kind of use it more to uh, just mimic the dark room and, and what we could do in the dark room, kind of as a general rule of thumb, so that. Um, what's being presented is reality. So uh, I do give them the leeway to go beyond kind of what I've done. And in fact, this latest assignment that we just started with color, I, I gave them the license to tweak out their colors and, and go a little beyond reality. Uh, Cause oh, it'll nice. be cool to kind of see yeah. their creativity. And, and I like it if they can do something that maybe it was not what I would have thought of, you know, I, I want them to do that. So I took a photography class in high school, I think maybe my freshman year, just an intro class. So I don't really know anything about photography yeah. other than... Your freshman year in college, correct? Yeah. Co okay. High school. Oh, yeah, okay, way, gotcha. a long time ago. <laughs> All I remember is rule of thirds. Yeah, man. So that's, that's uh, one of our um, <laughs> compositional elements. So the, they had an assignment, their first assignment was five different compositional elements, and, and that was one of them. How do you explain rule? Yeah. Like, why is that a concept in you photography? Know, um, so I talked to them... Um, about you know this idea of aesthetics and there is some science behind it about which I'm certainly not an expert uh, mm -hmm. you know the psychological side of that mm -hmm. um, but you know if you have your subject kind of smack dab in the middle of your picture you know the, the viewers eyes kind of go there and they get stuck there where you know if you put it off to the side and, and in the corners um, the rule of thirds is kind of if you divide your frame up into um, kind of uh, nine quadrants and, and you have those intersecting lines and that you would want to kind of place your subject, you know, somewhere along those intersections of those uh, lines. Um, because the viewer kind of starts with that subject, but then it gives them room to kind of move around your frame and, uh, you know, explore a little bit more instead of getting locked in there. And I'm sure there's more to it what are psychologically. But. What are some of those <laughs> other kind of basic rules that yeah. you go over with the freshmen right away. Yeah, well, it's funny. I do make it a point to tell them that um, these are rules, but they are, are certainly open to be broken. Mm -hmm. um, that, but you often have to learn the rules in order to learn how to break them effectively is the way I, I kind of break it yeah. down for them. Because um, there's always exceptions in art. and I mean, really, I think uh, maybe perhaps the deans wouldn't agree, but even all rules, <laughs> there, there are times where uh, there are exceptions to those um, and, and so that's kind of, we just had to build that foundation. And then uh, it can be fun to see them break the rules effectively. And I just, you know, make it clear that we want to be deliberate about doing that and kind of have purpose behind why we're going to break those rules. And I know the same thing applies with writing it and does. things like that, you know. So. Yeah. I was actually talking to <laughs> Davina. She's the, the Penn Fellow in the upper school. Yeah. And uh, I was telling her about how... My, I'm, I've been reading Ernest Hemingway, A Movable Feast, right now, just kind of on my own for fun. But it's like Ernest Hemingway, one of his most famous autobiographical 
autobiographical works set in Paris. And I wouldn't have said I was the biggest Hemingway fan like earlier, but, yeah. but I think he's very poetic and I've been enjoying this book particularly. And it's funny. Um, I was, I was home for the winter break and I have a younger sister in sixth grade and she's, you know, she's not the strongest student right now. She doesn't love to read. She doesn't love to write, but she was writing a little essay and she wanted me to go over it. And it was interesting how her sentences had the same, like they, they would have come out of a Hemingway. Yeah, like cadence wise or like the words or yeah. <laughs> yeah. The structure of the <laughs> yeah. sentences, they're brief, they're to the point, they evoke an image in your mind, right? And That's I was great. reading this celebrated American author and my little sister in sixth grade writing something. Uh, it, it's interesting how like Hemingway and all artists, all great artists want to kind of return to that like childish stage of seeing something for the first time. Yeah, that's what it's all about, kind of the, the, the novelty. They're making the, the familiar novel. Yeah, and I was just kind of blown away because I would never have expected that to, to line up like that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool with your sister and sometimes, you know, with my students, um, just what they do intuitively um, without a whole, you know, there's been some guidance already, but uh, just from what they've absorbed in life, reading and seeing, you know, Right, right. And you probably see that a lot with the freshmen coming in because they probably, some of them probably have never had experience with photography before. They've never learned all of these rules, but they still have that intuition at first. Yeah. So, you know, when I was a student, I took my first photography class here at Gilman. Um, we weren't allowed to take it yet as a freshman. I believe I was a junior. Um, and I, I bought a, I mentioned that Pentax camera. And I guess I had made a few pictures with some point-and-shoot cameras, but I hadn't made a lot of pictures in my life. Where these guys, um, you know, we kind of give them a new machine with which to do it, but they've used their cell phones to make pictures, and um, they've seen so many more pictures themselves through just being bombarded, for better or worse, with imagery. Yeah. Um, that at least some of this stuff kind of has gotten through to them through osmosis, and they recognize what they like and what kind of resonates with them. Mm -hmm. um, they're just exposed to so much more, so much more quickly, again, for better or worse. You're scrolling you know? through your Instagram feed yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. You're, yeah, it's, osmosis. It's a great thing, but then it's also this thing we have to kind of fight against of like making imagery stand out and, you know, making, making it come out from this sea of pictures. Um, but yeah, it's cool just that, that some of the things I'm talking to them about, they might, it might not have uh, been as concrete in their mind, but they kind of get it and they, they say, oh yeah, you know, I recognize that. Now, when you started as a student in photography at Gilman, were you naturally inclined to like photography beforehand, or is that something you were taught, or did you have an eye for it kind of all yeah. through your childhood? So it's funny. My parents think it's hilarious that I became a photographer because they were the type of folks that would shoot rolls of film and stick it in the drawer and not have it developed for years. And, you know, to the students now, that's such a foreign thing with the immediate gratification. But, um, you know, it really wasn't something that they didn't have any fancy cameras or anything like that. I don't know. I just think um, somewhat on a whim just thought it was a cool thing to do and um, you know took this class and I remember kind of with my buddies at the lunch table and, and it's still on a whim you're like yeah you know I think uh, photojournalism would be a cool thing to get into and I really didn't know enough to really <laughs> like make that commitment yet um, and we all have ideas through life of what we might want to be and I certainly had others uh, but it's amazing kind of how that stuck, and I, and I just continued with it. Would you yeah. like the most about it when you were just getting – would you uh, – what attracted you, know, you to I it? I think that um, – I do think creatively and a little bit outside the box in some ways, but I am an absolutely terrible drawer and painter, and uh, kind of what's in my mind I cannot translate through my fingers. Um, I did take art here, and um, in fact uh, – Betsy Heisler, who recently passed away over uh, COVID here, um, she had come in, uh, she's a working artist, and um, she was so super cool, and uh, I, I take her class, and I knew what I was creating wasn't necessarily amazing, but I, I started to kind of use it as a way to study composition and even light, and, and by kind of having it come through my hands, even if the results weren't so great, it was a different way to process it and see it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of liked being in the art room, and um, it was fun. We could listen to music and uh, 
I even had my work study as a student. Um, I know they've kind of changed the structure of that, um, but my work study was to go to the art room and at the end of the day, I'd go and just clean paintbrushes. And it was, it was pretty cool. It beat sitting in study hall and yeah. you know, I could listen to music. And I just enjoyed kind of being in that environment. And um, I think the exploration of it all, particularly photography, gives you the opportunity to kind of explore the world. Yeah. I often joke that I don't know a lot about many things, but I know a little bit about a lot of things because I just kind of pop in and out of these worlds. So. Yeah. Going back to that point about like getting outside and moving the body and, and kind of learning through movement, I think that those classes, I've been in Mr. Connolly's classes before in photography and even some of the units that I do in English where they're creating and they're writing their own stuff is so important because not everyone learns from sitting there and just hearing someone talk or, you know, reading or kind of going through the slideshow. I think, I think the exploration of, of these classes is so important. And I find that the, the, at least for me, I'm, I'm somewhat of a, I wouldn't say I'm super creative, but I just enjoy those environments. And I think, um, the time goes much faster when you're engaged in something that you yourself are creating, producing and, and working in, um, on your own yeah. yeah absolutely you know i i don't lecture too too much but uh you know i do discuss things with these guys and, and often yeah. when i'm done i say okay guys you know i could talk about this forever but now we got to go do it right um and not to diminish uh, my education but as much as i sat in classrooms and, and and studied uh most of what i learned uh was through my experience and internships and, and just being out there doing it uh hmm. kind of getting beyond the theory what, what kind of theory do you go over? What photographers do you use in your classes as kind of examples to try to follow or, or uh, to try to emulate? So it's interesting. Um, I sometimes, I try to kind of guard against getting these guys too much into like my box. A lot of the photographers that I like to look at are from the journalism world and documentary. Um, but here, you know, this is part of the art department. It's a little broader in, in what we can do. Um, so the, the guys, if they listen to this, might not love it, but um, soon they're going to have to choose a photographer of their own and, and do a short report about it and, mm -hmm. and kind of adopt them as their own mentor. Um, but I, uh, I do enjoy a lot of journalists, uh, some of the, the big time ones, but also there have been a lot of local guys and, and ladies as well, you know, local photographers that um, have really been influential to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but I do try to guard against that. Uh, in fact, yesterday in showing the students some pictures, um, a lot of them were kind of student photos. And, and I remember as a student myself, sometimes the examples that we would see, particularly in college, would be just from faraway lands and kind of things that weren't so accessible to me. And you're like, I can't do that. And, and to some degree, maybe that was just young people making excuses. But um, I try to show them things that, hey, you know, this is available to you. This was just a creative way of seeing everyday life, like we were kind of discussing earlier. Yeah. But, um, you know, there are certainly some folks that I you know, plan on showing them who are your favorite <laughs> who are your favorite like all-time photographers that you really enjoy respect their work you know i mean the godfather of photojournalism is henry cartier brisson to me and um the uh, decisive moment is kind of his word that he his phrase that he coined um and it still lives on today um and it's really about being a fly on the wall um and not interfering with the scene and really kind of finding art in life rather than kind of creating it. And I've never been really great in the studio. I know how to use lights and I can, I can create to some degree. Um, but going out there and just being a fly on the wall, and that's what I enjoy doing. And it's really awesome when you create a picture that tells a story and kind of applies to be used in newspapers or magazines, but yet it also is artistic and, mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, Could stand on its own. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think there's always kind of been this, battle sometimes between the art world and journalism but it, it's found its way on gallery walls too and um particularly early on in photography it's kind of the uh, the outlier so even in this outlier world of art photography is kind of uh its own outlier and i don't know in some ways i'm kind of a everyday kind of guy but i kind of also enjoy that 
outlier. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was looking at your website and and all of the photos that are on there, and it seems like photography it's taken you to some pretty cool environments and and like historical yeah. moments. It has. I mean, you know, um, a lot of photography is kind of everyday things, uh, making portraits of someone who may be featured in a story. Um, but it's so cool the different worlds that I get to visit, and my camera has kind of been my ticket in. You know, um, whether it's kind of the the high-end world of, uh, you know, politics and, and business and finance or, you know, also those folks that struggle in life and, and kind of having an opportunity to uh, have conversations with them and, 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 and be in their environment and, and let others see what's happening with that. So, uh, you know, I could one day be in the Lake Mason Tower and the next day be, uh, you know, in the west side of Baltimore, um, you know, pretty tough streets and, and I know, yeah. know you've lived in different locations so Sarah are you from Syracuse no, you New know York? I grew up here in Baltimore right. and I've spent most of my time here um, I've had my little jaunts Tennessee there. Um, yeah so when I graduated from Syracuse I came back to Baltimore and interned that summer at the Sun um, and then I started throwing my resume and, and portfolio out there and, uh, yeah, I wanted to go somewhere and kind of have an adventure with it. So, yeah, I went to Jackson, Tennessee, the bustling metropolis. And uh, What was that was, like there? Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, I was between Nashville and Memphis. And uh, so it was neat. Like, I would go visit those places. And it was definitely different than being in Baltimore. Um, I think it was about the size of Salisbury. And our newspaper was about that size. It was a Gannett-owned paper. Um, we just had three of us on staff. So it was pretty small staff. And, and you know, so when big things happened, it wasn't like, well, the new guy's not going to do it. Um, so they sent me out to spring training. We had Mark Pryor uh, had just gotten drafted by the Cubs and he was on our double A team. And I guess maybe it was triple A, but anyway, he was like the million dollar guy on the team down there. So I went out just basically to cover him. Um, the Olympic torch came through and, you know, we got to do things like that. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. I was just there for a couple of years, and uh, I think after a while the novelty wore off, and, and I didn't think that that was where I wanted to kind of live and start a family and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I left that job to, uh, to temporarily freelance. It's almost the 20-year anniversary of that. I told my wife that last night, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, I moved back in 2002, and... Um, until I came here to Gilman, I was a 1099 employee for all 20 years there. So uh, that um, temporary status kind of eventually I said, yeah, this is how I'm going to do this. So what's the freelance life lifestyle like? Like you wake up in the morning and you kind of just let your creativity take you where, where so, you want? You know, I very rarely went out and shot what we call on spec, where I was just making pictures and hoping that somebody was interested in them. Now, if I came across something of interest, I definitely shot it and would call some editors I knew. But often I kind of know what I'm up to. Um, you know, I get an, a call, hey, what are you doing on Tuesday? And that's kind of the way it still goes. And if I'm not here teaching at Gilman, I, I go out and shoot it. Um, and they say, can you go cover this for us? Um, so sometimes it's because it's a local publication and they just need an extra guy that day. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's out-of-town publications. And rather than have staff everywhere, they uh, give you a call and say, hey, this is in your backyard. And by backyard, it might be Delaware. <laughs> Virginia, D.C., Maryland, you know, pretty, pretty large backyard there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there have been some other things that have given me some opportunities to travel a little bit. Um, I do also some commercial work. And uh, so things have died down. COVID has kind of yeah. kind of changed some Staying things. Staying local. But, uh, I got to do some cool stuff with the NHL. Um, it was more on the corporate side where I wasn't covering the, the game action so much, but um, a lot of the uh, interactions uh, – with their, their corporate sponsors and things like that. Um, but I got to go to a lot of the outdoor hockey games that they oh, held nice. at Notre Dame and Levi Stadium and uh, Gillette and all that. And So that was pretty fun. That was cool stuff. Yeah, I love some of the uh, the sports photography shots on just the ones that I've seen on your website. Yeah, it's pretty I really cool. enjoy that. And I enjoy I do a lot of prep sports too. Um, you know, I do some of the pro and college stuff. But um, even before I was here as a uh, teacher, I would – 
pop in to Gilman, you know, you and I would see each other when I did the lacrosse stuff, but then sometimes I would come out and cover a game for the sun, say. And that was just like a great way to spend an afternoon and get paid and, and make fun pictures. And um, it's a little easier to get in and out than when you go to M&T and have to deal with all the hoopla there. Uh, and the pictures are, are just as cool uh, to me anyway, even if it's not the, the major league logo on the side of the helmet. Uh, in fact, you know, the, you have more access. And it's, to me, um, my favorite sports pictures were often at like the state championships and the, the emotion of the athletes at the end. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I think sometimes a lot of action kind of blends in and, you know, the picture of the quarterback dropping back are important if they're doing a story about whomever it may be, but they're not the ones that really rock to me. It's, you know, the, the, the high school athletes winning states, you know, yep. <laughs> like that's yep. a lot of fun. <laughs> For sure. Are sports, would you say sports events are your favorite um atmospheres environments to shoot you know it's interesting because you know that you're going to get these super emotions and and these awesome moments even in the action all kind of within this box it's like this artificial it's the original reality tv right it is and yeah. i think that's why we enjoy watching them um so it is cool but i don't know that it is you know i think i, I enjoy kind of these other things and, and some of them might not be perceived as like as big time you know often it's cool when i'm the only photographer at a situation with someone um, and maybe it's illustrating like a, a larger issue or something, but those are the things that I, I kind of enjoy a little bit more. Um, but I, I, I like it all, you know, it's hard to pinpoint it all, but um, I didn't initially get into photography to do sports, um, but it, I definitely enjoy it and uh, it's part of the gig. And, when did, when did you know you wanted to be a photographer? So you took that class at Gilman, and yeah. you were talking to your friends at the lunch table about like what it <laughs> might be like. But when when was the moment you're like, this is my calling, this is my passion, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life? Yeah, so um, I, I took a class uh, with Mrs. Louise Miller in junior year. It was called photojournalism. Uh, it was loosely photojournalism. It was kind of just a framework within the learned photography. Um, and then senior year, I took another class with Dean Weller, uh, here at Gilman, um, that was just photography, and I was in the photography club, and, and I really started to think I might be halfway decent at this, and I mean, I look back at what I was doing was fairly pedestrian. <laughs> Frankly, what my guys are doing now, like, blows it away, and I pulled out some pictures, and I'm like, wow. Because you're I mean, teaching them all the you tricks. Know, these guys uh, really rock it. Um, but, you know, through that, and, and I guess it wasn't in stone yet, but I really started to get more serious about it and certainly through my teachers kind of uh, saying hey you're pretty good at this and um, putting my work up just like you know with these guys um, I started to be interested in it and then um, Eva Turner who uh, was the head of the upper school for a while here I actually had taken an English class at Bryn Mawr with her right before she came over here um, my senior year to be a college counselor hmm. and um, you know I told her that you know I wanted to study photojournalism and I had a bunch of schools that on my list, but I really didn't know what I was talking about. Um, I was kind of the first guy to go to college in my family, and so my, it wasn't like I was going to go to the school that my family went to or anything. And she was really instrumental in saying, "Hey, if you're serious about this, you know, Syracuse is a place to check out. They have a strong journalism program, and they have the photography part of that too. Um, and Maryland has a great journalism program, but they don't have a photojournalism program." Hmm. So then I went up there, and, you know, I still could kind of have gone in another direction, um, but it just really fit, and I was really into it. And, um, you know, there were a bunch of folks in my class that really kept going with it. But I could tell, like, there was a group of us that were more serious about it, and, and, and others were going to end up going into something else. Pardon my hitting the <laughs> mic there. Yeah, I like to gesture a lot. <laughs> and so, yeah, just kind of it developed. It, there wasn't one moment, but it just kind of kept building. And I always think it's cool when high school students know what they want to do, like, in high school, and it doesn't take the college experimenting and taking different classes to figure out what, you know, because most people decide what they want to do later in life. And the fact that you knew... I think I knew a little bit about English. I knew it was a passion of mine in high school, but that's that's pre pretty lucky to, to be able to figure that out so early. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's kind of like a photojournalist. You want to be what? You know, it's like uh, if you're going to do it, you got to go hard because you can't kind of like halfway because it's, uh, you know, pretty competitive mm -hmm. 
field. Um, and so once, if you kind of decide that's what you're going to do, you definitely have to commit <laughs> and, and go all in. And, um, you know, I, I do know there are a lot of folks that I studied photojournalism with that ended up going on to grad school for something else or just kind of work their way into other things. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of ways you can go with it. You know, you don't have to necessarily be a photographer. There are editors. I know um, one of my former colleagues as a student works as an archivist um, at Yale, I believe. Um, so, you know, and she just deals with the imagery and, and maintaining that. And, and so uh, there's a lot of things you can do. But yeah, um, I don't think all students should necessarily commit to something uh, so early. But if you, if you know what you want to do, then, you know, go for it. And, right. Try and it out. And, and that's going to kind of maybe make you rise to the top on that. So. Yeah, if you get excited about it yeah. so early on. Um. And now I joke that there's not much else that I'm too good at. So. There doesn't need I'm to really be. I really committed my life to this. That's great. What was Syracuse? I hope I'm okay at teaching, but yeah. Yeah, of I'm, course. I'm, I'm getting there. Well, it sounds yeah. like it. Um, Sorry to cut you off there, Jacob. What, um, what was Syracuse going up there to that journalism program like for you? It was great. You know, the, the cold is certainly a major factor there. Uh, but once you get over that, and it does kind of bring everybody together, um, it's, it's intense. First, that's you the know? first thing you think when you think of Syracuse. <laughs> so yesterday morning, real quickly, a little aside, I, I was coming to school, and Mr. Holly was out front checking students' roofnas to make sure they had filled out their COVID forms. And um, it was a little chilly, but I said, hey, Mr. Holly, how did you pull this cold duty this morning? And thanks for doing it. He said his daughter went to Syracuse. And you know, he said, well, you know, this is just Syracuse spring out here. And yeah. I said, yep, I do know that. Uh, um, so, yeah, it's always uh, kind of on the top of everybody's mind. And I remember going there and my mom, like, giving me all these, like, crazy warm clothes that, you know, half of which I didn't wear. Because once you get to class, you're not going to sit there like you're going out to play in the snow. Um, but once you get over it, you just kind of move along and it's everyday life. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you just kind of move along. But I do remember taking my pictures up there and I was so proud of them. I thought I was really good at this. And um, I did my um, encounter project at Gilman with a Sun photographer uh, and then spent a, a month with Lloyd Fox, who's still a photographer at the Sun and got to go cover O's games and stuff like that. And my first picture ever published was in the Sun. And you know, I thought I was really pretty good at this. And then my professor <laughs> went through all my pictures and he picked out one. He said, this one's pretty good. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, I got a lot to learn. And then looking back, he was certainly right. But not that, you know, I had a decent foundation on it. But, yeah, I feel like it, it's, um, you really have to hone it and, and, and really be on point with things to rise above, I guess. So at that next level, yeah. when you're honing your photos and getting to the, you know, I guess upper echelon of photojournalism, what are those, like, minor details that you need to adjust in order to make a photo great is it with the editing process or is it just with your eye it's more the seeing part of it i think and just really being aware of your entire frame and the edges and your backgrounds and and and, and telling a story you know a professor who kind of was infamous he recently retired up there david sutherland um and he trained a lot of military photojournalists because we had a program with the military where they would come through for a year. He would always say, boring. And, and it was just this, uh, the content is really important too. So, um, you know, what is going on in your picture? What is it important? Why would I care about this kind of thing? And, you know, he was kind of rough about it and, and, and pretty straightforward. But, um, you know, the emotion in your picture, the, the content as well as the composition and having clean pictures that draw people in and aren't distracting and, and just really the details. So all those things that you learn in high school and, and all that, if you take photography, but just taking it to that next level of uh, consciousness of everything in the picture. Hmm. Is that the mark? Would you say that's, if you had to boil it down to one point, that's the mark of a truly great photo is that it tells a story. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's not always like a complicated story. It can just be a real simple kind of story and, story that you know is incomplete but um yeah it's it's kind of to me shedding some light on humanity um so it doesn't always have to be a big event that has kind of this worldly influence um it might just be a quiet moment or a a personal moment uh 
but you're shedding light on humanity and, and just like you know writing uh, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you're you're shedding light on on the human experience mm-hmm. yeah i mean you could be f- taking photos at the largest event ever and you know everyone's excited about it but if it doesn't like evoke some conversation or thought or yeah and you know some of those things i mean it's always a sign of a great photographer if you can kind of break away from the pack and you're taking a chance because you know it's safe to stay with the pack and make the picture everybody else is making but if you can get out of the pack and kind of you know it's art but um there's a little competition to it a friendly competition you never at least with all my colleagues you know we would never kind of sabotage anybody else and you root for everybody but it, it feels good if you were at an event where there were a handful of photographers and, and you look at what everybody did the next day in the publications and you kind of managed to get something different that still tells the story, you know, hopefully in an even stronger way. Um, but yes, yeah, so often with those big events, you're kind of all in the same pack and they make you stand in a certain spot. So it can be difficult. It's also very amazing how often you have all these different minds there, but we're all kind of trained the same way and think the same way. And then we independently go and edit, and we come up with the same moment was what we all thought was interesting. The, the, the crux of the situation there, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see that, and then also how when when you do it or somebody else kind of breaks away, and you go, "Darn, why didn't I think of that?" Or yeah, I yeah. Did it this time. <laughs> do you um, when you freelance now? Do yeah. you have certain people that you go to to kind of review your photos and give you some pieces of advice even though you're very accomplished and know a lot about photography already so it's tough you know that's one thing that i really have liked about being back at gilman is kind of having uh you know a little bit of a team and, and you know um sarah Sachs. you know regarding teaching i often kind of bounce things off of her and what, what do you think of this um and it's something that i missed in those 20 years of freelancing that uh, there were times um, you know, I interact with photographers, guys I know, and I say guys, I, I use that uh, to be non-gender specific <laughs> folks that I know. Um, and, you know, you see one another, but you don't know when you're going to see them again. And often it is a very kind of independent thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was on, on staff and interning, um, had editors, and in the old days, there was, it was less independent because you'd come back and process your film and put your negatives on the light table, and you might have an editor come over and look at it with you, and sometimes they might select a picture, and it might not even be the same one you liked, and you have to have this discussion, and I wouldn't say argument, but maybe a strong discussion about it, and now, you know, I shoot something, and I often have to sit in my car by myself and, and edit it and ship it off, and, and sometimes it's up, you know, on the internet before I even get home. Um, and it is nice to have people to kind of bounce those things off, but nowadays it's not often specifically about this picture or this shoot. Um, it might just be more broad things. When you have a chance, you're waiting around for things to happen and you talk about the things that are, you know, it's, not going so great or going great and, and just photography more in general. It's such a process, it sounds like. I mean, I don't, I don't really know anything about yeah. photography, but it sounds like it's such a thoughtful process has social media and the speed of like tweeting photos out or posting really quickly and that instant gratification has that like tainted some of the art of photography do you think do you think to some degree i mean it also has democratized it like now anybody can make pretty darn good pictures with their mobile phone frankly um now it's it's more about the eye um I don't want my guys to hear this too much because I, I make them use their cameras on manual. And, and there is a lot of purpose to that, um, that you kind of have to understand when you have these machines that automatically make these decisions, kind of what's make how, how is that machine making these decisions? And that does always make the nice, the best decision. So it's nice to be able to override it. Um, but yeah, it's got pluses and minuses. I think uh, maybe earlier in my career, you know, I studied, I was all analog the whole time. Um, I never once touched a digital camera all through college. Um, I remember the newspaper in Syracuse, the downtown paper. Um, I interned there for my whole senior year. It was awesome. Like it was a paid internship. It was like my college job mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I, I'd go shoot and they got a digital camera, one of them. And it was really expensive and, and 
terrible. <laughs> had really low image quality and had a lag when you hit the shutter as to when. But they bought it specifically to cover basketball games at night so they could get the pictures back and get them in the next day's paper. But they got it and they put it on the table and one of the guys said, uh, don't touch it, intern. <laughs> you know, and, uh, I kind of enjoy the rough personalities that uh, you often find at these publications, you know, and some of it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but um, it was like just this kind of new technology. And then uh, when I went to in, um, interview for that job in Tennessee, I knew that they were all digital, and the Sun staff here in Baltimore, interestingly, it was the Jackson Sun in, in Baltimore Sun. I think I might have been attracted to that, too. Um, guy that was a photographer there let me borrow his digital camera which is quite a nice thing to do for a night and, and it works the same way as my frankly my, my first camera I, I use it very similarly manually and there are some times where I use some of the settings on it but again I kind of know why it's going to make these decisions and I borrowed it just so that I, I knew when I went to this interview they were going to give me one and tell me to go shoot something I was like I, I need to know what I'm doing with that so I kind of came from the old world but very quickly it changed, and um, I was even then. I was like a little resistant to it, like kind of like these old grizzled veterans that I knew, um, and I was probably a little more malleable than they were. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, for some time, uh, and and as these things develop, aside from the cameras themselves, the the outlets and Insta and all of that. Um, I was a little bit resistant to it. But, you know, you kind of give in and and, and start to see what's great about these things too. And, and I think the biggest thing is that um, it allows anybody to uh, kind of create and then to publish it and share it with yeah. everybody. And it probably yeah. makes it much more competitive too that, you know, so many people can very easily, I think, use these cameras or phones or whatever yeah. it is to shoot and post their stuff. Yeah. But we're seeing that in everything, you know, um, to have an operation like this and, and to do video and, and good sound. I mean, you'd have to have like a professional studio, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and now, you know, you can really do high quality things. Uh, we have some nice equipment here, but you know, it's not a, a special room and, and things like that. Yep. So, uh, you know, whatever field it is, uh, often has kind of been opened up to others. There's not this barrier of finance and, and equipment and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Po everyone has a podcast now. Yeah. I mean, so you know, it lets um, those folks that maybe didn't have access to it have access. The, the good ones that really have something worth sharing, and then it lets kind of the folks that you wish didn't do it and share maybe uh, aren't bringing what you want to the world, um, whether it's just because of their content or that they just aren't you know very good at it. Uh, it allows yeah. them through too, and so it's really important to be. Um, a, a critical uh, consumer of these things. And, um, you know, I see that with students. Perhaps a few of them will go on and kind of make it their career, but the, the fact is most of them won't, but they'll be, they'll be better at, at, at consuming these things and hopefully, you know, more educated and, um, you know, have a, a higher uh, kind of bar for themselves of what they want to consume. They'll develop their, their eye, their ability to see, yeah, I feel and like. Yeah, to have... So, and, and taste is certainly in the eye of the beholder, but uh, to have some sort of um, informed taste, I guess. Yep. <laughs> what, do you like working with the ninth graders? Is that a solid age for you, do you think? Or you know, you... I, I guess um, last year I did come on um, when uh, Mrs. Sachs took her maternity leave just for, I think it was about two and a half months, and I did have some, some older students. Um, but, you know, I don't know too much else. I had some freshmen, I had three classes, and, and I did have some juniors and I think I didn't seniors or juniors. Um, but I guess I don't know any better. So. But it must be <laughs> but, cool from ground up teaching them. Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, it's a, it's a clean slate, you know, particularly with photography. Um, and it was great last year kind of coming in. But I have noticed that, um, you know, I didn't necessarily know exactly what they had learned. I did, you know, to some degree. I went through what they learned and then spoke with Sarah. Um, but I wasn't there for it. Um, now I was, I was there firsthand and kind of know what to expect. And, um, perhaps I was a little easy on them last year cause I didn't, and it, you know, that with, it was re really in the, the COVID winter for sure too. Not that this is too much different, but we've adapted, I guess. Um, yeah, there is an element to that. And you know, there's an element that drives you a little crazy too, cause we've got to get these guys in upper school mode. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. I think the freshmen for sure have missed two crucial years yeah. of like middle school getting disciplined, getting, you know. T- I've, I've seen that with my own daughter. She's in seventh grade, and um, I, I think she's done pretty well. But there were these difficulties of her transition to middle school was through all this. And, Same with my um, sister, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty tough, so it, it's not necessarily that. It's always tough. You're, you know, it's a kind of it's built in to be a big transition, and, hey, this is something new. Um, but now it's that much more of a difficult thing. Yeah, socially it's just they've, they've taken such a hit from yeah. – you know, not yeah. being able to interact with each other as much and well, everything being on the screen. It's um, been great to have them here, and I think it's something they recognize too, and certainly all of us uh, faculty <laughs> appreciate it. It's, it's, you know, now we're kind of getting back into the hybrid thing a little bit. Um, but Are you, yeah, Do you do the good. hybrid? Do you have kids zooming in? I've had a few kids. You know, it's generally been, um, you know, two to three. Um, that, they're not sick, but maybe somebody in their family is, or you know, maybe they they did test positive but are asymptomatic. Um, so, doing a little bit of that, but it's tough. Um, yeah. But at least the majority of the class is right there, and I can look at what they're doing on the computer, and, and, and instead of just describing it, say, hey, why don't you go up there and, and click that, and then and that'll let us do this, and right. just kind of be right there with them. It's and, less clunky. Yeah, and there's some kind of communication that happens. It's nonverbal, just being in the same room and, and, and just, a, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, but a little feeling that you get and that you communicate. And um, I think your own excitement for the subject as a teacher is probably better communicated. And then you get a better read on your students, too, just having them in the room. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I think also, um, I mean, I think it's for anyone being on Zoom is so distracting. It's just yeah. very hard to sit there and look at your screen and you have your phone there too. And We know it's tough as adults yeah. to do it yeah. and we're expecting these younger folks to do it. Yeah, for sure. But it's good to be back at school. We'll do the uh, weekly Q-tip test yeah. if it means that we're yeah. here. Yeah, I actually appreciate it. It's kind of like a, a monitoring service. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I actually, when I came on last year, really appreciated. Like, I wasn't yet eligible to uh, be vaccinated. I was like, cool. Now, now I could go get vaccinated because I'm uh, an educator. It was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. What uh, what led your decision to come back to Gilman? Why why do you want to come back here? So, you know, um, we were talking about knowing what you wanted to do early on, and, and aside from photography. The other thing that, you know, just as whimsical as my uh, thoughts of photography was, it would be cool to be a teacher. And I think part of that is um, when you're a student, the people with whom you're uh, most in contact are teachers and they're your mentors and things like that. So it might be a natural kind of thing there. So um, when I was at Syracuse, I was going to minor in photography. I mean, sorry, in uh, in education. Okay. And uh, I took one class that was, you know, more about theory and pedagogy and all that, and um, I didn't like it. And so um, I had this other class that I really liked uh, with a great professor in cultural geography. And so I switched out and, and went on to that. Several years later, just chatting with some folks I know still at school, they were like, oh, if I took that class, I would have switched out too. And it was just a class that a lot of people didn't like. Gotcha. Um, Certainly coming back now, I wish I would have stuck with that a little bit, uh, you know, but I'm winging it and doing okay, I think. Um, but it was something I was always interested in, and I think a lot of folks enjoy kind of sharing their passions with younger folks. Um, then interestingly, that, that first spring of COVID when Gilman did their graduation, uh, we did it one at a time every 10 minutes, and we were out on Harris Terrace, and families would arrive with their son and have their moment with Mr. Smythe and Mr. Hubeck. And I was there to photograph each one of them. Um, so we did it over four days. Mm. So I got to know uh, Mr. Smythe and Mr. Hubeck pretty darn well. And um, then when uh, Mrs. Sachs took her uh, leave, they were like, Ruark could come in and, you know, <laughs> he knows how to take pictures. I hope the conversation was a little more in-depth than that, but uh, probably not too far off. Um, and, and so that's kind of what uh, planted the seed there, and I'm really glad it did. So, and yeah. Gilman's always been a special place for you, it sounds yeah. like. Um, I had some difficulties at times as a student. I, it wasn't always, like, perfect for me, and I imagine everybody is that way, wherever they are, and, and as a student or as Right. Yeah, you know, your job. Um, 
But by the time I, you know, was a senior here, I really was uh, something I appreciated. And, um, and then, yeah, I got to come back and do things with the teams. And uh, I started working with the communications team and uh, just coming in as a contractor a couple times a year. And I'd make pictures just of campus life and I'd duck in and out of classes. And there are few teachers remaining that I had, but over those uh, 10 or 15 years, you know, I'd kind of pop into my old teacher's class and, and, and capture it and all. And it was, it was definitely cool. It was a reason to do that. You can't just as an alumni, alumnus, uh, come in and say, I just want to kind of walk around and, and check things out. But so, yep. again, not even in a familiar world, my camera was my license. Um, but, yeah, so I had been around at least a few times a year and then out for athletic events and things like that. So it wasn't uh, – I wasn't a stranger. Um, but there was a period kind of when you go to college and then you do your thing where – I don't know, eight, maybe 10 years where I, I, would, I hadn't been around very much. Um, mm -hmm. And then I started coming back. So. What, um, what stands out to you in your memory from your time at Gilman maybe in, in the vein that like what is similar or different from what you remember about Gilman to what it's like today? Sure. Well, I, you know, I do think it's pretty well documented and discussed, but um, uh, I think I've heard you discuss it with some of your guests. Um, kind of the approach to the arts, certainly, and, and being in the art department. Um, I, you know, I felt like we got to do some, some cool things in, in the art world, but, um, you know, the dark room now we have is a dedicated art room. Um, I think it was quite literally kind of a former janitor's closet, the closet that we used as a dark room back then, and, uh, you know, it certainly um, didn't take as much precedence uh, as part of daily life in, in the students. So art wasn't so. as maybe celebrated back yeah, when I mean, you were know, here. I don't want to say it wasn't. I mean, I think I, maybe I wasn't aware as a student, like, and I was in there and it was something that I chose to, to be a part of. Um, but I think that a lot of students that maybe aren't inclined to do that are still involved. So, you know, I know I have some students that like, you know, maybe it's not their thing. They're not an art guy. Um, and I really do try to not categorize like that. But there is a little bit of common sense, I guess. You go, you know, this isn't, you know, kind of his thing per se. But, like, it, for one, it's really amazing when you see, hey, it, it kind of is their thing. Like, mm -hmm. they, that, that's part of them and, and, and their uh, outlet as well. Um, but I think that there are opportunities for, you know, athletes, uh, you know, guys that are kind of more on that side of things, uh, to say, hey, I've got this other side of me too that I want to explore and check out. So uh, it's, it's a little more open for everybody just to be part of it and explore that part of their, their in, internal workings. Yeah, yeah, try it out, right? Yeah. And I feel like yeah. ninth grade is the perfect time exactly. to take a photography class, see if you like it, see if anything yeah. sticks out to you. And you know, if you yeah. continue to like it, then you take the advanced. Exactly. Yeah. And my last year in teaching some of those guys and, and this year with – my students, um, it's really amazing to see that some of these students, that maybe they even felt like, oh, you know, I'm not one of those students. And they, they really end up uh, enjoying it and having really great results. And so, yeah, it's, it's part of just like guys that aren't maybe the top athlete still experience sports. Yep. I would yep. say that I'm one of those guys. You know, I, I played Little League baseball and, and soccer and even a little travel, but I didn't get any further than I have a letter for fresh soft soccer, and that's kind of where it ended. <laughs> so, but but so, I still was an athlete. You know, I got to get out there and, and, and participate. And, you know, so. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah. you've are you always yeah. been part of those athletic environments on the sideline. And, yeah, and, 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 you know, and again, how it's kind of your ticket in. Even as a student, I started to realize that. That, like, hey, I, you know, I'm not – going to be a varsity baseball player or even, you know, varsity soccer, certainly not football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, and maybe my first three years in upper school, like I, I wasn't the guy that even was out there going, yeah, 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 you know, and, and at every game. But I started working for Sinusure, and um, so all of a sudden I was at a lot of these games and other events that, like, I maybe would not have been at. And, and I really started to enjoy it and kind of find my place in this world you know this right. small microcosm of the world here and uh, so yeah and I continued that through life funny uh I never I, I haven't read it in 25 30 years whatever it is um but I wrote my 
college essay, and I'm kind of glad I haven't read it because it's probably not nearly as good as I remember it being, <laughs> but it was about kind of seeing Gilman as a student and as a photographer and uh, I had this third way of seeing it. I um, worked two summers with the maintenance crew. That was my job oh, wow. with the outdoor maintenance guys. And, and so, you know, I'd be out painting lines, cleaning up trash, uh, watering that's the, cool. The gardens, even um, I remember cleaning the leaves out of the window wells of uh, you know the headmaster's house. So, and and I wrote it about these three kind of approaches. To That's kill a great women. idea. Um, and again, probably not as good as I remember it. Um, but it was something that I was very aware of even back then. Just the thought yeah. of having those three different lenses as a student, yeah. I don't think. I mean, some yeah. people probably think about that, but that's that's a really interesting yeah. uh, essay topic. Yeah. Again. Uh, awesome in my mind anyway <laughs> um who were some of the teachers that you remember at gilman as being super influential for you as just a young man growing up here sure um so i mentioned briefly uh, mrs louise miller who um she passed away some years ago um and she was my first photography teacher she was uh, actually knew her originally as mrs pitt and she married mr ken miller who was also a middle school teacher and, um, and then she moved to upper school and taught English and, and, and she taught photography. And you know, and she was really, um, just photography was an interest of hers um, and, and she was pretty good at it, but she wasn't like a professional photographer or anything, but she really started this whole thing off. And um, I did get to join the Millers for a, um, a lunch breakfast one time at Towson Diner. Um, I think it may have been right after I graduated from college. Um, I'm so thankful I got that opportunity because it was the last time I ever saw her. And, uh, I get a little emotional even thinking about it. Um, related to that, I saw Mrs. Trapp, uh, who recently retired. Uh, mm -hmm. was covering the um, Hereford Bull Run cross-country meet, and Gilman was there. And that's when I, I got the news, and I think it was kind of old news that she passed away. And I got like this and had tears in my eyes, you know, and I was like, I got to cover this thing. And it just was like, you know, yeah. caught me off guard. But so obviously uh, she had a strong influence on me. Um, That's awesome. I'm, I'm in touch with my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so she was definitely uh, a big part of that. Um, geez, now I'm drawing a blank. I, you know, I even had in my mind there are a few teachers. Well, Eva Turner, certainly. Um, I think that may have been the first class that I took, um, you know, at one of the girls' schools. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like kind of an experience. I started here in fifth grade. So, you know, you're like, you've been in school with boys and now like, especially at that age, you kind of have this self-consciousness about you, but you're also like, cool. Was that, was that go. sophomore, junior? Probably junior, junior year. Yeah, junior. I think, um, again, I'm still starting to get some of these details, but I, I think we do let the boys kind of have some of those opportunities a little earlier now. Um, but then like that, I think that was the first year you could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, it was cool because I just kind of developed this relationship with her and, and, and she was super awesome. And I just liked her from the start. And then she came over to Gilman and I'm sure she was helping everybody equally as a college counselor, but I kind of knew her a little better still. So I always like to think, uh, she, you know, I mean, she, that's uh, a, that's yeah. a big piece of advice she gave you in terms of yeah, where I mean, you could just, go. I mean, my family, you know, my mom did go on actually, um, to get her master's degree, but she actually, um, had me as a teenager and like, when I was a kid, I didn't know this, but she got her GED when I was in middle school. So, I mean, they're, they're really smart people and they're not like kind of backwards or anything. They don't want to miss, uh, paint that. Um, but they didn't like have an experience that like they could say, Hey, you want to check this college out? Like really relied on Gilman for this guidance. So, yeah. you know, having her do that, like very influential. I, think that's I would have a, had no clue. I mean, that's true. I think with a lot of parents who have kids just going to college and the, you know, the world, the environment, the competition is so different these days. And I see it with lacrosse a lot. Yeah, Parents <laughs> always need that, you know, advice or just to be steered in the right direction in terms of where their son would fit for the next stage. So yeah. the fact that your counselor and Eva Turner helped you out with that. Yeah, is, and you know, my list of schools is like kind of, you know, schools I had heard of and stuff, you know, I don't think it was very guided. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of them were kind of small liberal arts schools. I remember going to visit Haverford and I really liked it and had a great experience. But Eva Turner was kind of like, I think you need, you don't need like a huge place, but you need something a little bigger. And, um, and you, this is a place that like has exactly what you want to study and, you know, really is helpful. And it's still hard when you go to a place like that to break into these worlds. Um, 
So, you know, you almost need it to even have a chance. And a big element of it is just um, the people that you meet through it and the um, opportunities you have with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we learn in the classroom, but, you know, here at Gilman, that's a big part. It just creates opportunities for you. And like you mentioned, you just, you've got to be out there and do it at some point. There's only so long you can sit in the classroom and discuss it. Right. So in the last couple minutes here, I'd like to get to... Wow, have we gotten through an hour already? Wow. Almost, I mean, it's yeah. It's amazing, you know, I think about, what am I going to talk about for an hour? Next thing you know... Uh. I know, well, you get, <laughs> get talking about Gilman yeah. and teachers, yeah. it's... Yeah, it flies I've, by. I've never been accused of being short of words, though, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, you mentioned uh, to bring a, uh, a book... Now, now, were you a big English? Did you like English in high school? Was I did like English, too? and I still kind of like. I, I think um, I'm. When I studied journalism, photojournalism in Syracuse, there was like a really big element of like news writing and stuff like that. And even um, on Wednesday, I worked at the State House for AP, and like you only get to write two sentences, but like they've got to be. You cannot be off. If I have a comma wrong when I call New York and they say, yeah, we got him, but you know, you're supposed to put a comma there or you put a comma where you weren't supposed to. It's like, so um, it's it's really tight on those things and mm-hmm. you do have to be a good writer and, and sometimes it's really, it's more difficult to write two sentences than to when you can write several paragraphs. About right. it. It's got to be really succinct. Um, places like the AP don't have a lot of room for kind of creative writing, but it's got to be strong writing and, and really to the point. Um, so that is something that I've enjoyed. I don't get to exercise it as much, you know. Um, I, I don't do a lot of kind of long form writing, or perhaps I should. Um, but I think even being here has given me an opportunity to kind of do a little more of that, even just in my interaction with students. And, mm-hmm. uh, I probably give them longer comments than like I need to, but uh, I, I just try to get it all out there for them. And, want to make sure it's well written certainly yeah, for sure <laughs> but so yeah i did uh I, I did enjoy english so what are you what are you reading now so you know i just finished this uh the other day i think it may have been the day before uh you asked me and it was just a book that was on my christmas list and i'll hold it up here uh where tomorrow um, it is not from. ulysses uh but um it's uh oh that's carmella it's, it's carmella anthony's book nice um and it was um co-written with d Watkins, um who's another baltimore guy um, I don't know, I imagine you probably know D. Watkins, but you know, he was a drug dealer in Baltimore, and now he's like, you know, in that world of academia and, you know, has gotten several degrees. And um, so he wrote it with Carmelo. I love Carmelo because he's a Baltimore guy, and he went up to Syracuse and uh, won a basketball championship. It was after I was a student yep. there. Um, but he I'm was not amazing. A big Jersey guy, but I do have an orange mellow jersey hanging in my basement. Um, <laughs> And I did get an opportunity years ago. He was filming a commercial for Nike in Baltimore, and I got an assignment from the Sun just to go down to the set and photograph him. And I don't know, some downtime. We just started chatting, and he was like, "Can I check out your camera?" And he was checking. He's like, "I just got a new camera." And I think you may have mentioned it then, but I, I had forgotten it. But I read in this book how you know he only spent one year at Syracuse, but he. Um, he didn't declare a major, but he declared a minor, and it was photography. No so, um, and he mentions that in the book. Oh, and that's he, cool. He doesn't talk about it a lot, but um, so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, this is not um, – it's just a 200-page kind of easy read, um, but it, it's a window into, um, you know, kind of tough life in, in Baltimore, um, his overcoming it. I knew a lot about that, but there were some interesting things. Um, you know, I kind of – I knew he we went to Towson Catholic and – they're they're defunct now, so uh, I won't. I can say a little bit about it. But uh, he um, he talked about a vice principal there who, who I don't believe he named um, that he, he felt really kind of singled him out in a racist way, and, and he I, I kind of thought he was kind of down with that, but he he had a really bad experience there. Hmm. Um, and uh, you know, as an educator, that was relevant, and then just kind of my my fanboyishness of it. That's cool. <laughs> I've seen that book around, so it's, it's fairly new. It just came out, and you know, my, my family asked, "What do you want for Christmas?" I was like, "Oh, this book is pretty cool." And, you know, um, so yeah, and it's just an easy read. Uh, yeah, I... it, it's a window into somebody's life, and and, that, and that's what I, I generally enjoy reading: uh, memoirs and uh, a lot of nonfiction, and again, just like with my photography. Uh, just like learning about people. Um, 
I often like, and I, I read the newspaper a lot, and I still even get the print edition delivered several on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and otherwise I do the digital. Uh, I like reading the obituaries, and you always hope it's not somebody you know uh, as you look back there. But you read about somebody's life and, and kind of what made them impactful, and why why were, were they even um, you know featured in the obituary? Like, what why were they important enough? Right. And uh, so I don't know if newspapers will be around at all by that time, but I always have this uh, weird thing that um, I want my life to be important enough or to have had an impact enough that maybe I'll get an unpaid obituary. <laughs> that's, <laughs> but that's, it's, all, it's just all about learning about people's lives and, and their experiences. Yeah, I teach uh, a, yeah. a character in literature class here. And we uh, one of the assignments I had the senior, there are seniors in there. And I, one of the assignments I had them do was think about not an obituary, but like at the end of their life, how would they want people you know, close friends, even acquaintances or people that are really important family members, how would they want each of these individuals to think about them? And I think that's an interesting exercise. It's your legacy, you know. Um, even if, you, if you're if you not religious, I think you could see it almost as your soul, like what you left behind. That's how I kind of see it. Like it's right. your soul, like how you live through others once you're gone. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So thank you very much for the yeah, recommendation. Uh, I'm going to check that book out, yeah, but yeah. it'll be a, an easy read, particularly for an English teacher. It's, you know, uh, I used to love Carmela yeah, on the, uh, and uh, yeah, it's nice. Sometimes you meet people. Um, I, 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 I'm, I use the word fanboy, but, um, you know, I really had to guard against that. And I do get to kind of be in contact here and there with some pretty cool people and I've never been super starstruck about it, but I've always appreciated the opportunity when you do interact with folks and I never get autographs or anything. And it's just kind of this little thing you get to keep yourself with this experience. Um, but sometimes that happens and, and you walk away a little disappointed, you yep. know? Um, and that was not the case with him. In fact, I was maybe even more impressed. Like, yeah. like what he was talking about with photography. Like he knew what he was talking about. He had studied it some and, and done some work in it. So, That's yeah. cool. Well, you have an overlap in interest, and I like that. Yeah, and it was cool that I was able to say, hey, you know, I went to Syracuse and grew up here, and I kind of had that connection, and then this this further connection. So, I still want him to get a ring, even though I don't <laughs> like LA too much. I don't want, even if it's for the Lakers, I'll take it. I, I need Melo to get his ring. <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, thank you very thank much you. for coming yeah, on. It's amazing. Appreciate how quickly it. Quickly, this went by. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>